Welcome to Cannabis Investing Newsletter. I'm D.H. Taylor. Today, we're looking at Trueleaf. And I've certainly looked at Trueleaf before, but it's one of the premier companies. And today, I'm going to look at it from a different angle. Now, I've been involved in the markets for some 30 plus years, and I've been doing things for different areas in different ways. And I've been tasked with looking at companies, cannabis companies, uh, from the point of view of a discounted cash flow statement. It's a very sophisticated spreadsheet with lots of math. And I'm certain some of you are going to, your eyeballs are going to roll in the back and others are just going to pop open and say, what'd you say? Um, there's a lot of math in this. And what this does is it breaks down interest rates, rate of growth, CapEx, um, EBITDA, EBIT, tax rates, all these variables. And it asks the question with projections and assumptions looking five years into the future, what should a company be worth? What is its discounted cash flow rate based on where it is today and what's the upside potential? A lot of sophisticated players in the markets, quants, will use this. Um, and I've been tasked to put these things together looking at some of the stocks. I wanted to bring in some of the information from Trulieve. Now, as I mentioned, certainly I've looked at Trulieve before. One of my top picks, great company, solid company, premier company. You're going to be hearing about Trulieve for years and years to come. Given that, looking back at some of my projections and looking at these quantifiable math numbers, I was quite surprised at what it came up with and how close I was. Let's jump in the computer. I'm going to introduce you to some new statistics, a couple charts, and we'll be able to more quantifiably determine what these stock prices should be worth. Let's jump in. First time stopping by the channel or the YouTube station, thanks for stopping by. I am a value investor, but value investing is not everything that cannabis is about. And in fact, this one of the lessons that I've really kind of had to focus on looking at these discounted cash flow statements. And again, you're not going to see a whole lot of the information that's there. Um, that's kind of proprietary at this point for someone else. But um, as a value investor, I'm looking at this uh, cannabis as an opportunity for long-term growth. But it is also, cannabis is also a growth story, uh, exponentially growing quickly. Then there's a third portion of the story, M&A. It made putting these spreadsheets together difficult because you have to balance everything that's going forward. Uh, the discounted cash flow statements, you need some consistency in a company that's just growing and growing and growing based on regular revenue models. These companies, cannabis companies, are not doing that. M&A activity. Perfect example, Trulief. Just picking up on Harvest Health and Recreation. None of that information is in here. So this is going to give you a foundation of where Trulieve should be. And then you could probably add about 10 to 11% on top of that simply because of the Harvest Health uh, acquisition. Uh, some numbers on Trulieve. Uh, TR, T, TCNNF is the symbol. Um, $3.45 billion market capitalization. But that, that all depends on who you're asking. Um, so I had to go in, and in this particular, there's 73 million shares outstanding. There's another 52, 3, 4 million shares that are will be converted, all right? But there's only 73 million, 72.7 or something like that, 
outstanding right now. And technically, that's all we need to look for. Because if you've got warrants or options or anything like that, they're not outstanding. They don't exist yet. Given that, I converted this to um, the the 128 million shares outstanding because I was I am looking forward, say, four and a half years, three and a half, four and a half, five years, some kind of time frame like that. Um, very likely that some of these outstanding warrants and conversions will happen in that period of time. Maybe, maybe not. Wouldn't matter. I'm throwing it in there. If they don't happen, guess what happens to the stock price? I, I'm way low ball. Again, there's also Harvest Health. I went by Yahoo. And if you look at my website, um, my top 100, what I use an Apple computer and on numbers, the spreadsheet program, they um, allow me to put stock symbols into each of the little boxes. And then I can put information, earnings per share, market cap, this, that, the other thing. But it borrows the information from Yahoo. Yahoo has these guys at five and a half billion. That's not right. I don't care how many there's 128 million shares there's really only 71 million shares outstanding i have no idea where they came up with this number yahoo is never right i don't know where they get their numbers a lot of the other service providers get the same information so they are in six states true is in six states georgia is right on the cusp they just got their authorization to proceed forward in georgia i'm not sure how long that's going to take year year and a half um, Georgia is a medical only, I believe. Um, but I also believe that they could flip at some point, but not anytime soon. Might be another Florida. We'll see how that plays out. Recent acquisition, of course, Harvest Health and Recreation. That information is not in here. We are looking at TrueLeave, the foundation, the core. Harvest Health was one of my top picks. TrueLeave is acquiring them. I've removed Harvest Health and just claimed TrueLeave. TrueLeave was not in uh, my top picks. Harvest Health was. Harvest Health is better than TrueLeave, I thought, at that point, maybe six months ago. Given that, um, I, the, the acquisition should be really positive for TrueLeave, which is a great company. Comparisons. Number six on market cap at $3.45 billion. If you go with Yahoo, they might be up to number five or four. Revenue growth rate, 10.8%. Of the 100 companies, the ones that grew and did not grow, and I think there was something like 42 companies that had positive revenue growth. And I've got 100 in there, which means there's 58 companies that had negative revenue growth. All the revenue growth was 7.5% for the whole quarter Q2. That's huge. In a good year, the S&P 500 prints 3.5%. And last quarter, they all of cannabis did 7.5%. So at 10.8%, um, because their revenue is so much bigger, truly really kind of pushed forward with the rest of the um, uh, markets there. Number eight, gross revenue, 67.2%. That's really high. It's between 60 and 65%, that's your sweet spot. The fact that uh, TrueLeave is at number eight spot at 67.2, they're just above that 65% level, and um, they're a top performer, period. Great, solid company. Significantly undervalued. Operating efficiencies, 30 to 35%. If you're in that range, you're solid. 
TrueLeap is at number eight with 29.6%. Uh, I do have one company oh, off the top of my head. It's a real kind of sleeper that no one knows about. They're like 11% operating efficiencies, which is outstanding. And I think it might be out of Arizona. What is the name of the company that's going to hit me here in a second? Vexed. I think that's who that is. Number one, EBITDA to revenue rate, 44.1%. The S&P 500, between 5 and 7.5%. These guys are printing 44%. That's huge. The amount of money they're retaining because of their low operating efficiencies, because of their high gross margins, these guys are number one. They are solid for that with that metric. Cash to debt ratio, number 16 at 74.1%. This is actually really important when you're looking at the fact that they have positive cash flow. They are going to be in a position to, A, not have to raise capital, which is non-dilutional uh, looking forward. They're also in the position where they can go ahead and start doing more acquisitions without having to balance the books. Um, they're going to have cash that they're going to have to put to work. So you could look at Truly from that perspective and realize that this is a solid company. Here, of course, is the revenue picture. Um, 136 million, 168 million, two, was it 194 million, 215 million. These are the numbers for the past four quarters for revenue. It is a continual straight line higher. Harvest Health, of course, is going to bring in quite a bit of revenue. They've got, what, 17 dispensaries out in Arizona and a few more dispensaries, but they're losing a few dispensaries out in um, Florida because of the merge, which, um, what is it, Halo picked them up? I can't remember. Nonetheless, this upward continuous movement, this is both new dispensaries, which they have a lot of dispensaries they're in six states but the other states you know they got 50 percent of florida the other states west virginia they have one dispensary california not that much so they really need to start focusing on these other areas arizona of course will be covered with the harvest health but look for them who they are in the number one position in certain metrics are going to want to put that capital to work and I do want to point out for those of you who um, stop by my website or not, um, I've had two conversations with uh, over the weekends, um, Tracy and Rob, both commented on Trulief. And I want to bring that in. And I, Tracy um shot back with an email and it was polite there's nothing you know no animosity or anything and he said listen here's my take on what rob said now tracy of course was the certified financial planner out in seattle rob's the guy who gets to see the sunset on the mediterranean every weekend uh if you didn't get to see those videos i'll post them the links to those videos inside the page for this article on the website but i'm also going to post what tracy said in the email because i thought it was very polite it was very informative and constructive the perspectives are different rob is looking at um, retirement in just a couple years two two and a half years tracy's looking 10 15 years down the road so the perspectives were a little different and they both had different opinions as to how competitive truly is going to be in florida 
and I thought it was interesting, so I'm going to put those uh, letters up there on the website just so you guys can, uh, the email so you can, guys can see that. Nonetheless, and in, please, by all means, comments down below, chime in. Gross margins, of course, you're looking across the board um, where they are printing their gross margins. It's popping up at 60.5%, but it was actually 67.2%. I think this is uh, the way the chart's uh, pushing the number to the side. Um, these guys are consistently hitting some of the very solid numbers. Gross margins are going to contribute to net income and also the discounted cash flow that I'm going to show you in a minute. And there are some charts on that. Operating efficiencies, almost as flat as Kansas itself, right around 30%, but they did pop below 30% at 29.6%. These guys are printing $200 million in a quarter, and their operating efficiencies are below 30%. That's huge. Some companies aren't even close to that, but it's also mathematics. They have a core total operating costs over top of revenue. As revenue continues, continues higher if Kim Rivers can keep the uh, operating costs sustained at these levels then mathematically operating efficiencies this chart continues lower and lower which is positive you want the lowest possible number here EBITDA printed 90 almost 100 million for the quarter which was huge 44 percent of total uh, what is it 94.9 million they did 55 million the quarter before so there's a little imbalance because the quarter before that was 123.3 so they so 47.7 123.3 55 94.9 so they popped up really hard two quarters ago then dropped back down to what looks like might have been normal but now they're back up again thing is they've guided us with 250 million given the revenue growth rate given margins given operating efficiencies they're going to blow out 250 for this year there's only two quarters left so i'm expecting uh that this 94.9 hits stays and probably gets cleared by the next two quarters because um, you're looking at what is it, 150 they'd have to hit 50 million per quarter for the next two quarters in order to for them to hit guidance they're going to blow it out and no one's paying attention So this chart is EBIT. I have listed, um, this is an assumption. First off, the very first column is 2020, 218 million. That's not an assumption. They printed that. This year, 2021, we're already halfway in. I'm printing here 300 million. And I just explained that I believe they're probably going to blow the 250, probably get closer to the 300, might even go beyond that. If they hit two um two quarters at exactly the same that they just did they're at 350 so this assumption might be quite soft now and then 360 million 440 million for 2023 525 million for 2024 what i do is i look at revenue growth rates and again this is just truly if i look at revenue growth rates i look at margins and I look at efficiencies on costs, things like this. And I try and figure out, based on um, other metrics, uh, depreciation, and depreciation and amortization, you got to bring that back in, 
um, where these guys could be on an annual basis. The other charts that we've just looked at are quarterly charts. This is an annual chart. This is the first, one of the assumptions we're working under. This is earnings before interest and taxation, not EBITDA with depreciation and amortization. You bring that back in. So I actually believe that this number is quite soft with considering what's potential. Number one. Number two, harvested gets brought into there and anything else that they do. Net earnings coming in at 40.9. They've been roughly 35 to 40 million the past three quarters. You got 37.7 million, 35 million, and 40.9. Um, these are net earnings. And so when I look at these stocks, what I try and do is I ask the question earnings per share, looking at interest rates, this, that, and the other thing. Today, what we're doing is we're looking at these net earnings and the EBIT numbers we just showed, plus another chart that I've got that I'm going to show you, which is. Um, breaks down unlevered cash flow. Cash flow, of course, goes towards net earnings. So we're looking from an annual basis, how much is that future cash worth? Okay, if you've got earnings per share for this year, how much are you willing to pay? So if there's a $100 stock and they're, um, they're, they're earning $5 in net earnings per share, all right. If you bought that share at 100 bucks, you're getting 5%. Well, if the interest rates on the 10-year are trading at 1.51, 1 1.5%, which that's basically correct right now, on a relative basis, you can look at that and say, "Wow, that 100 bucks is really cheap to get 5% because all I'm going to get is 1.5% out of the 10-year." So a bunch of us might walk in and buy up that $100 stock and push that up to $200, which that $5 uh, net earnings per share would bring the rate down to 2.5%. But still, 2.5% is better than the 10-year. So the net earnings are important, and when you're looking at time, all right, so let's say the stock price did get pushed up to $200, and you're getting 2.5%. Well, next year, how much you're getting in unlevered cash, how much is net earnings, things like this. You start looking two years down the road, three years down the road, four years down the road, because you're only paying maybe $100, but maybe maybe you were the last one in getting it in at $200. You want to know the question, what is that cash that you're going to be earning via that company worth? What are you willing to pay? And this is what this, this um, spreadsheet figures out. Unlevered cash flow, about 300 million. 312, I think, was the first 2020. 299 million for 2021. 396 for 22. 480 for 23. And 584 for 24. These numbers are fairly similar to EBITDA. Um, there's a few other metrics to go in there, but they, they tend end up being kind of similar. And because of that, um, we're able to determine the cash. For the record, um, given the number of shares, I think it was like $7 or something like that. The $584 million divided by um, $128 million. No, that's not. It's like 4 or $5 or something like that.
total equity for TrueLeaf, $756 million. As you can see, this total equity is continuously going higher and higher and higher. That equity is assets over liabilities, the company's ability to create value, revenue, um, you know, based on the assets they have out there, the dispensaries and things like this that they already own. Cash to debt ratio, 74.1%. There was obviously a big pop there. Um, up from about 40%, this really puts them in a strong position to be able to acquire a lot more companies. Look for TrueLeave to really start hitting into, say, California. Uh, maybe pick up a company. Maybe pick up a dispensary system. They've already done that in Arizona. Why wouldn't they do it in California? These guys have cash to work with. They're, they want to maintain this. There are 18 states with um, adult use legality. TrueLeave is in six right now. They've got another one coming with, uh, with uh, Georgia so and in Arizona. They've got 10 more states to go, 10 or 11 more states to go. Look for them to make a move. Here's a look at the chart, TCNNF. As you can see, we've got a little bit of activity over on uh, Friday just before uh, the weekend it popped up. We have been seeing what hopefully is the very bottom based on uh, the NDAA. They're tucked in the Safe Banking Act, which I don't believe is going to float. I think the Senate, and I've heard rumors already, Chuck Schumer's like, nope, yank that out. Should not have been in the NDAA. And if they put it in the NDAA, that puts all sorts of salt on the game for Chuck Schumer's bill. It's a good enough bill, standalone, so why tuck it in there? I think the House pulled the fast one. Hopefully, if anything, though, um, it put a halt to the selling and that we can actually start seeing some stock prices moving higher. Given that, three months ago, July 1st-ish, I made a prediction of $78 and change for TCNNF. That's the price that I gave based on net earnings and everything else. Um, and I didn't use a whole lot of math. The math that I've got for TCNNF right now, given the um, this discounted cash flow statement, breaking everything down, looking at all these stuff. And there's a lot in there. I showed you two charts. It's a, a fraction of what's in there. You've got to look at all sorts of variables. You've got to kind of weigh these and work with assumptions. But I did show you those assumptions in the form of EBITDA, EBIT, and uh, how that translates into cash flow. Given that, the number I came up with was 80 bucks, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I was like, well, let me check my math. I can't be that good. I'm not. Nonetheless, the, it kind of mathematically solidifies what I've been saying. These stocks are way undervalued. Period. TrueLeaf should be nowhere near this price. 200% on the upside, easy. Easy. I can mathematically quantify that. This same type of template and all this stuff, any uh, quant analyst out there is using exactly this. Um, they may come up with different assumptions. I think my assumptions might be mild. 
but probably fairly accurate. And I'm going to kind of keep my eye on that and see if, you know, how that plays out. There's also the fact that Harvest Health is going to be put in there. So there's all this variable that, that could push that $80 up to $100. And here's another kicker. I used the extra 54 million shares to get to 128 million shares. There's only 70, I think it's 71.7 million shares actually outstanding. If you use that number, if if the goals are not achieved for those uh, warrants and options and things like this, they don't get converted, the stock price goes to 140. Trulieve is going to be a player. You need to be looking at this. I can mathematically tell you it should be priced at 80 bucks, given variables, given the way the rest of the market values things. We're just not seeing the people step in to actually buy this up. So if you're playing truly right now, look at it and say, that's an $80 stock, easy. Just as soon as everybody else steps in. If you like my contact, uh, content, thanks so much for smashing that like button. Hit the follow button as well. Hit the email newsletter subscribe button and I'll send this message out to you on a daily basis. I try to do about four or five uh, videos a week. I'll see you in the next video. Thanks, guys.